Hi, I'm Hakan Hayretin, and you're listening to the NL Full Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full Time. Happy New Year, everybody. It's probably been a happier New Year for some already than others. I'm Luke Edwards. Joining me, we have a very happy Rob Worrell. Hello, Rob. Yeah, hi, Luke. We'll get onto that later on as to why he's happy, but I can see he's got a beer in his hand. He's got a grin like a Cheshire cat. And uh, also joining us, we have got Slough Town midfielder, ex-Aldershot Town midfielder, Redding Wickham. It is Scotty Davis. Hi, Scotty. Hi, chaps. How are you? Very, very well. Uh, we're going to be joined by Kidderminster manager Russ Penn later on. But in the National League on Saturday, Chelmsford, Chesterfield maintained their lead at the top of the National League thanks to a hard-fought victory over Kings Lynn. Uh, Liam Mandeville with the only goal there. And all the focus now for Chesterfield is on that FA Cup tie at Chelsea. The big game in the division today on Mon- on Sunday was at Meadow Lane. Wrexham, they travelled to Notts County in Birchnell and said he wanted to get a team out after being hit by COVID, injuries and suspensions. Now, they fell behind to a fantastic Reese Hall-Johnson strike. I don't know if you've seen it, but he smoked it into the top corner from about 20 yards out. Just five minutes later, Harry Lennon was sent off for handballing on the line and Carl Wooten scored the penalty. Wooten added a second before half-time. And Wrexham looked like they might respond when Paul Mullen had a great chance to equalise from the penalty spot. But on loan goalkeeper Anthony Patterson saved the penalty. And then Jaden Richardson, who signed from Notts Forest, so not far for him to travel. He added a third when he headed home, despite the best efforts of the defender on the line. And Wrexham protested it. I hadn't gone over, but it had. And it was a three points for the Magpies, a massive three points. And a missed chance for Wrexham to close the gap to one point at the top. And, and Rob, fantastic result that for Notts County against all the odds. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Wrexham would have gone a point behind Chesterfield with a win today, but, uh, and it, you know, they had a bright start, didn't they? Uh, it was looking good. I caught that one, uh, one of the first goals of the day flying in for Wrexham. Before you knew it, red card, you know, and 2-1 down. Um, what it does do, it condenses it all up again because Notts County have moved up to sixth in the table. Um, uh, and, and the team behind them as well, which we'll come to, they're literally just uh, five points between the whole top seven now. Um, so it's literally, I mean, we'll ask Scotty about this, but, you know, when it comes to the, um, you know, the who's in, the, everyone will go still down to about 12th, 13th, 14th place. They're all in for the playoffs or whatever. But who's in the title race? I mean, having a quick glance at it, Scotty, this is probably the best race we've had for quite a few years in terms of there are so many teams in it. Would you agree? Yeah, I think the stop, the size of the clubs as well is massive. Um, I was listening to, um, I was reading something on Twitter the other day, just talking about it must be the most difficult year to get out of the National League and I couldn't agree more. Um, I was obviously fortunate to enough to play in it for one season when I was young um, and we won it by 15 points. I don't think that's ever going to happen for a very long time because it's so competitive now. Um I personally think that Stockport, if they get their act together, uh, will go up if it's via the playoffs. I think that uh, when I saw them play against Bolton a few weeks ago in the FA Cup, they were outstanding. Um, And I just thought to myself, they've got a far better team than probably what the league deserves. Um, But it's obviously putting it together and and making a run of things. But automatic, you've got a fancy Chesterwood and Wrexham at this point for sure. It's it's the same across all three divisions. We'll come on to that later on. You could throw a blanket over all of them. It's just so tight there in in, in the playoffs. It's it's 
Just four points separating Halifax in second down to Solihull in ninth. Halifax played Grimsby on BT Sport on Monday afternoon. We're going to look more at the playoff race shortly, but... Rob, you always moan that I'll leave you till last. Well, I'm not going to today because there's a remarkable derby between Woking and Aldershot. Kickoff was delayed due to crowd struggling to get in. There was over 5,000 attendants in the end. And Rob, what a crazy game. Absolutely bonkers. We had a, a taste of it in the last 10 minutes of the game at, on Boxing Day when there was a penalty to either side and it ended up uh, on as even there, uh, sending off as well that day. Um, and today it seemed to be like the same thing, more of it uh, and, and, and pretty much from the start. First and foremost, that phenomenal crowd, um, huge, uh, great turnout from the Woking fans. I think 1,150 order shot there as well. And that's in the sort of uh, away sections. There was a few more in the, the neutral and, and, and home sections, I'm sure, as well. But it made for a great atmosphere. And that atmosphere, that uh, particularly Aldershot, they love a good sing-song when they go to Woking. Well, they were stunned into silence, really, just nine minutes in when um, Max Kretschmar uh, s- s- put Woking ahead. Um, and, and it stayed 1-0 till half-time, but I don't know what Mark Mosey said at half-time, but it must have had an effect because Jaden Harris headed in within a minute of the second half. Um, and then Aldershot didn't capitalise on it. They didn't. They didn't fit. You know, build on that bit of momentum. And Woking got ahead again from the penalty spot. No qualms. Definitely was a penalty. Uh, Kretschmar stuck that away. Uh, and then Aldershot got their own penalty towards the end of the game. There was huge delays. The referee was very, very good, Sonny Gill, but he um, he took absolutely ages. He booked Mark Mosley. He booked Alan Dowson. Then he went and booked. Uh, he talked to his uh, fourth official, his assistant referee. Then he booked Josh Casey. And Corey Andrews, you felt for him. He had about four or five minutes to kind of think what he was going to do with the penalty. But uh, we shouldn't have worried. He smashed it home, sent uh, Craig Ross the wrong way. And you thought, well, fair enough. Both games then are going to end with a draw on us even this year. Um, but no, Mark Mosley's men showed the character to find a late, late winner. The skipper Kinsella with his second assist of the game, Mikhail and Jolie uh, bundling it in at the far post to send the shots faithful into raptures. Um, I was jointly commentating on the game or summarising on the game and I was with two people to my left who were woken orientated. It's fair to say I felt their, 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 their pain. I understood their pain, but it was another magnificent um, you know, derby win for the shots at, at Woking, which they seem to do one, some way or other almost every year. I believe you left your post, you... Rob, didn't you, before full-time? <laughs> what was that, sorry? I believe you left your post before full-time, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> he was gone uh, down by the touch. He was herring down at the touchline, I believe. Ah, uh, well, I did. I've, I've got to be honest. Normally, when you commentate, you're kind of trapped there, win, lose or draw for a while. Uh, but you get to know, obviously, I've known Moles for a long time. Scotty knows Moles, I'm sure. Um and, uh, you know, it's an emotional time, that final whistle, especially as the, fa- the players go over to connect with the fans. Uh, and, yeah, I was able to get down there and uh, give a few high fives and, uh, and that um, as well. But, um, Scotty, just talk to us a little bit about, you know, your memories of, 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 of uh, or how you know Mark Molesley. And I'm trying to think, I can't, you know, I know he had three spells. You had two or three spells at all shot. Did any of them overlap? It didn't know, but obviously referring back to um, what I believe is the best non-league derby, I think it's incredible. I played in it in 2007 and um, I actually wrote my car off on the way to the game. I actually flipped my car, I went bouncing down the road and I don't know 
how I got out of it alive. Um, I turned up at the match and I said to Gary, what, no, listen, I'm good to go. I'm okay to play. Um, and I didn't want to miss it because I'd heard so many good things. And I played 60, 65 minutes, got taken off. And my emotions were just everywhere. And I think that was the same day that one of the directors passed away at halftime. I don't know if you remember it. It was an, yeah. it was an awful yeah. day. Um, yeah. And I just have fond memories of it from that day for good and bad reasons, really. Um, and it's always a derby that I look out for. I saw the crowd was over 5,000, which is incredible. Um, in terms of uh, Moles as well, I actually spoke to him probably 18 months, two years ago when he was manager at Weymouth. Um, and he tried to sign me down there. So spoke to him about going down and I thought you know what I've done enough mileage in the last sort of uh, 12 15 years of my career that I didn't need to travel to Weymouth for non-league football um so yeah no listen I love the way that his team played um I think he's obviously had a great coaching background at Bournemouth he's taken that into non-league um Weymouth were a hell of a side and I've not been lucky enough to see all the shot again under his management but I'm sure that he'll get them ticking I think he probably needs a fresh start next season. Um, and I really do think he can stamp his mark on the league with hopefully some investment from somewhere. Obviously, you know the club better than I do now, but um, I think with the right backing, he will he will get the club to where it needs to be. Um, and that's challenging in the playoffs, uh, minimum you'd hope. So, no, great guy. He's obviously doing a great job since he's gone in. And um, yeah, was delighted to see the result. Thanks to your uh, messages and videos that you were sending throughout the game. <laughs> Yeah, because he won't admit it if he played against them, but Scotty still bleeds red and blue, don't you, mate? Once a 100%. shot. Yeah, no, <laughs> listen, it's one of the first results I look out for every week, as does my dad. Um, I, I know it's so cliche and it's probably the right thing to say for people to hear, but listen, I love the club to bits. It's, it's a weird um, relationship that I've got that's got a place in here um, and will always have to because um, it gave me the platform to go on and have a career in football. Rob, there's um, a lot of Woking fans on Twitter asking for Alan Dowson to go after that. Some saying he's only a mid-table National League manager and won't progress them. What's your thoughts on that? It's a very emotive time. You know, high on the high side if you're Aldershot, on the low side if you're Woking right now. But I would say they're very much entitled to their opinion because they watch Woking a lot more than I do. Um, based on what I've seen and, and, and taken a big deep breath and a step back, I'd say it's their first season as full time. Uh, and they're sat what I don't know, I haven't got the table in front of me, but uh, I think maybe 13th, 14th, perhaps. Um, it's, it's no disgrace. In fact, I've pulled it up now. They're 10 points off the playoffs halfway through the season. I don't think it's time to be panicking and firing the manager. Um, is he the man to take them to the next level to, to, to get them competing right up the top end of? a ridiculously competitive National League, more competitive than ever. I don't know, but he's not a miracle worker, is he, either? So uh, he knows what he's doing. Um, and uh, he'll he'll do what it takes to, to win football matches and be successful. It's, it's, it's just a real low point now, right now, for Woking. They have had some indifferent home form. They've been much better away from home. And that uh, that result on the day after New Year's Day will will really really be hurting working fans. So probably not a good time for them or the manager himself or the, the chairman of the board to be making uh, knee jerk decisions. Um, what's your thoughts uh, on on that from uh, from afar? Obviously, Scotty. For me, I look at Woking's best players, people like Max Kretschmar, uh, Josh Casey, who very rarely puts a foot wrong. But then I look at the strength and depth. I don't, I don't think that they should be competing at the top end of the league. I think fans need to be realistic. Um, you might get one or two teams that surprise the league each season, but 
I think a lot of the time, like you say, you need to step back, actually um, evaluate the situation and see where you're at. Woking have never been a club that I look at and think that they're going to go and tear up the league or surprise anyone. Um, the stature of the club, um, for me, it's one of those things that after a, an emotional defeat like today, like you said, um, people probably need to have a look at themselves and think, do you know what? Who's going to come in and work uh, their magic with the squad that they've got? Um, I'm guessing their budget's not up the right end of the league. It'd be towards the bottom um, echelon. So, no, I don't understand what people are saying. Um, everyone's entitled to their opinion on social media, which we which we see a lot. Um, but at the same time, if they had won 3-2 today, he would have been uh, the best person in the world right now to all of those people. So, yeah, it's a fickle environment that we live in. So you what? It's, uh, it's their ten. Well, just a quick one, Luke. Sorry, they're, they're 10 points behind, uh, off the playoffs and 13 uh, ahead of Weymouth in, uh, in, in third bottom. They've, got, they've scored 36. They've let in 36. Goal difference is zero. I'd say it's a work in progress at Woking and uh, the time to judge the job that Alan Dowson's done is at the end of the season, you know? And if at the end of the season they're two, three, four, five points off the relegation and 25, 30 off the playoffs, then maybe that's the time to, uh, you know, look at it. But I think he's contracted until the end of next season. Um, and uh, I think he definitely deserves more time to get it right. I'll tell you what, I'd love to have... Uh... Fair play to Mark Mosley if you understood what Alan Dowson was saying. He's difficult enough at the best of times, but when he's shouting in your face, I'm guessing he's even more difficult to understand. <laughs> he is very difficult. I, 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 I had the pleasure, if that's the right word, of, of interviewing him after their late uh, equaliser on uh, Boxing Day. Um, and you do have to concentrate very hard, but he's a straight-talking man. He's an honest man. Um, and he'll give he'll, he'll give everything he's got to, uh, to make a success of that job at... Uh, at uh, Woking. Along with Notts County, Dagenham with a big win as they did the double over Dover thanks to a 3-1 victory. Junior Marais, Josh Walker, Miles Weston with the goals and the, the Daggers are motoring along now nicely, Rob, aren't they? up to fifth. Yeah, they are. They've got a bit of momentum. They've had a nice run of games and nice run of wins. I think that might be their fourth win uh, on the bounce today. Uh, they dispatched Aldershot, uh, admittedly a much-changed Aldershot side, 1-0. Tight game, but a moment of class from Angelo Valanta um, on the 28th. And uh, they've backed it up with a, another decent uh, home win today. Um, people will look at the Dover game and everybody banks on the three mm-hmm. points, but everybody has to work really, really hard for it. Scotty, have you been impressed with um, just how competitive Dover have managed to be, can, given sort of where they are financially, where they are geographically, how far adrift they are? They don't lay down for anybody, do they, week in, week out? No, do you know what? I think that's um, probably people's, in, yeah, people's individual um, responsibilities as a footballer. You can't go out there and uh, you've got to go out there and die on your sword as such. And I do see what you're saying about Dagenham. I think they would have been excited to have Dover in a doubleheader over Christmas. Um, you'd fancy your chances to get six points and this time of the season to get six points plus the three or four to shot in a short period of time, it makes the leagues look so so much different. Um, we had sort of like a plan going into our Christmas Day games that three games in eight days, we wanted um, a minimum of five points. We only got four, but like you say, four points at Christmas in over three games isn't the end of the world. Um, but to get nine, Dagenham, I think, mm. will kick on. Um, they got a great manager down there who I know um, not overly well, but I know him well enough to sort of speak to and say hello. Um, I like his enthusiasm. I think that he's a good manager. 
Um, and Dagenham are a bit of a sleeping giant as well, not in terms of probably money and things like that, but it wasn't too long ago that they were fighting there or punching their way in League One. Um, they'd done the uh, the bounce bounce, didn't they, from the conference straight up to League One. So, um, no, it's always been a good football club. Um, so, yeah, no, it's one of those that I probably expect to see up there at the end of the season in the playoffs because um, I know they've got some good individual players as well. Interestingly as well, Scotty, it's like if you're a team who's maybe slightly inconsistent going up to the Christmas period, all of a sudden, like you say, three wins on the bounce, it really kickstarts your season, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, everyone looks at Christmas time and says it's an important time for us, but it's an important time for everyone. Those teams in the relegation zone as well, if you can pick up even four points, six points over Christmas, it looks completely different. Um, having said that, if you lose all three over Christmas, then yet again, it's like a kick in the teeth. But um, our league, for example, I was looking at it before the game today. I think the teams above us lost. Um, we got a point and it just looks a little bit better even with a point on the board. So, um, no, Christmas is a massive time. And I think the ones that have got those slightly bigger squads, uh, the strength and depth, they can utilise them a bit more. Um, whereas I'm sure all the shot, they've made a few changes at Dagenham. But um, you can't put out your strongest 11 for three games in a row. A lot of these players can't go back to back. Um, they might be carrying knocks, injuries, um, playing on different surfaces as well. Some players can't play on 3G pitches and things like that. So that no, makes a hell of a difference. Um, but it's always a good time. I enjoy football around Christmas. I think it's brilliant. Um, you won't see me yet moaning like Jurgen Klopp, that's for sure. Another team to miss out on leapfrogging Wrexham were boring. Would they do nil-nil in the North London derby with ever-improving Barnet? Luke Garrard's side strengthened over the weekend by signing friend of the podcast, Danilo Arce, on loan from Harrogate. Down at the bottom, a topsy-turvy game down on the south coast has easily looked to have squandered a 2-0 lead at home to Weymouth. Tyrone Barnett gave the Spitfires a lead before Jake Heskus was sent off right on half-time. Uh, no matter though, as Christian Magoma added a second, but a five-back began for Weymouth when Josh McCoy got one back and it looked like Brandon Goodship had rescued a point when he scored with two minutes left. But Danny Whitehall, who arrived from Kilmarnock in the summer, scored his third goal this evening. Stop his shine to make it heartbreak. For the Terrors and Rob, um, I know you were pleased with that result because it, it pulls Aldershot further clear of Weymouth. Yeah, the bottom three now, Dover, gone, Kingsland really struggling and Weymouth a little bit in danger with uh, Southend of getting cut adrift. Um, that would have been a real choker for Weymouth, there's no doubt about that. As Scotty was just alluding to, you know, when you're in the fight, when the points are really, really precious, every single one of them, and you're away from home at, at Eastley, uh, having a decent run, uh, excellent form at home this season, um, and you've got yourself back to two all. Um, that would have been a massive point for Weymouth today. Um, I, I don't think it would have lifted them out of the bottom three, but uh, it would have taken level on points with Southend. And that would have been a really, really difficult one. It's always difficult. The highs and lows of football. You know, conceding last-minute goals to lose matches or scoring last-minute goals to win matches. It's just so emotive and people do get carried away. Just tell us, Scotty, what it's like as a player. Is there anything better than the buzz of of, of scoring a last-minute or an added-time winner? Um, and is there anything worse in football than conceding one? Well, I was going to say, I, I can refer back to Torquay away in the 94th minute, which is still one of my... Best moments in football with all the shots. It's getting, I know it's getting boring, but I cannot put that feeling into a bottle. I wish I could put it into a bottle and let people drink it and feel the emotion. Um, one of the best feelings I've ever had in football. And I think on the other, on the flip side to that, losing a game in the last minute is awful as well. Um, 
the euphoric feeling that you get from winning um, a last minute goal and things like that the celebrations that you have just crazy it's mental I was really happy actually that Eastley got the result today I always look out for them because a friend of mine Ben Strevens is manager um, probably in the top five nicest people I've met in football a really really nice guy um, I think he's doing a decent job down there I was gutted when they lost in the playoffs a couple of years ago to Salford desperate for him to beat them um, but yeah they're another team that I look out for I think they've got some great young players that have probably dropped out of the pro game that need to try and work their way back in um, I say pro game I mean football league and um, people like Jake Hesketh who's got so much ability um, people like that that a few years ago he's playing in the Premier League he's had his troubles with injuries and things um, but yeah easily a great club I really do um, look at them as well uh, in the National League and hope that they sort of find their way in there I know they've had a few good results of late so yeah, fingers crossed that they can maybe uh, make a late charge. Yeah, there's seven points, seven points off the playoffs at the moment, but handily placed, twelfth place. Um, and when you do look at the national league table at the minute, because of the amount of uh, games that have been affected by one team or another having COVID in the camp, there is a, a quite a big difference, I think, varying from from some teams that have played perhaps just 19 matches to a handful who've played 22 now. So uh, it's one of those where if it gets much, uh, if it gets much bigger, that that gap in the number of games played, we'll have to uh, start working out the old points per game table again just to see where people really are. Tarki, uh, they had a very good Christmas weekend. They came from behind to beat Yeovil to do the double over them. John and Barnett had given them, given Yeovil the lead on sixty nine minutes, only for Connor Lemahe Evans to equalise direct from a corner before winner. A minute from time from the Evergreen, Dan Holman gave Gary Johnson's side a win in Gary time once again, Rob. Yeah, fantastic. I didn't realise I've not quite got across all the other games yet. I'm so pleased to hear that Dan Holman got a late winner. I've always loved him as a striker and I've felt incredibly frustrated that I've seen him look unplayable at times for other teams and he never really he never really got uh, the goal tally when he was at Aldershot, but uh, credit to Gary Johnson because everybody's willing to write him off this year. Oh, they lost three, four, five key players. You know, he hasn't been able to sign the same quality. But, you know, he's famously quoted now, isn't he, as saying you just need to be in the top half by the turn of the year, uh, get a bit of momentum going. And, you know, I, I know it would seem unlikely at this point, um, but not impossible. They're eight points off the playoffs and... Uh, if Gary Johnson was to uh, guide Torquay to maybe sixth or seventh place at the end of the season, I, for one, wouldn't be shocked. Uh, the guy knows what he's doing, doesn't he, Scotty? He does. He certainly does. He did it with um, Torquay in the Conference South. They came from absolutely nowhere um, to go and romp the league. You could see them building. They were getting better. Um, that Connor Lemonhay Evans played against us. I thought he was way better in the league that he was in. Um, I don't know how he's done in the National League. They had a few players that really stood out. Their athleticism, um, the composure on the ball. They passed the ball to death, but with a purpose as well. Um, I thought they were outstanding. I thought at one point that they would probably bounce and bounce again. Um, but yeah, he, he knows a way to have success, win leagues. He was another manager I spoke to in my career um, quite a few years ago now. And he came across really, really well. Um, was very close to joining them. Um, but yeah, I was going to say, you, you find that knack. But I actually saw a stat the other day about the was it the top five managers in the league or under the age of 
45 or something like that. The youngest manager seemed to have been doing well at one point with your Luke Garrards, uh, who's the one that's at Chesterfield now, James Rowe, people like that. Um, yeah. yeah, so I sort of sat and I found it really interesting. Um, I don't know if it's like dinosaur mentality now with the older managers. Their old tricks are sort of dying off a little bit. I don't know, but it will be interesting to see with Gary Johnson because I do think that um, he's a good man manager as well. I've heard good things about him. It's a fun place to be. Um, so, yeah, talk, he wouldn't surprise me at all. And I know that, um, obviously, uh, this podcast covers the National League, but worth mentioning as well that uh, Gary Johnson's son, Lee Johnson, is managing pretty successfully at Sunderland right now, storming away at the top of uh, League One. So we're going to look now at the North Division and, and joining us, I'm pleased to say he's taken time out of his weekend to join us. It's Kidderminster Harriers manager, Russ Penn. Hiya, Russ. Hi, guys. You okay? Very well. Uh, I know Scott is here. I know he was just going on about his uh, his first ever league goal, and he said he he, uh, he chopped away from you and, and put it in the top corner. Apparently, he didn't chop away from me. He might have chopped away from someone who looked like me. Um, <laughs> but no, that he, he played in a very good team that year, and uh, I remember it, I remember it very well. Um, so yeah, it's great, good to see him. Great to see him. Yeah, and you too. Scotty, tell us about that goal. Come on, you died to talk and share it with the podcast. You know that's not me, Rob, but... That's not me, mate. I I usually let you do the talking, but we got a rollicking at halftime from Martin Cole, as you can imagine. Um, We'd done well in pre-season and then we got kick-off second half and I managed to receive it back and I went on a little mazy and, and smashed one in. So, yeah... I thought football was going to be easy after scoring a goal like that. And then I realised it was difficult. So, yeah, that's why uh, that was an incredible season. Like you say, we had an amazing team. We were very, very fortunate, weren't we, that we went and romped the league. So, um, no, good memories. But Rush just reminded me it was 15 years ago almost now. So where time goes, I do not know. Um, but, yeah, no, great memories. Both getting older as well. It's, it's hard as you get older, isn't it? <laughs> It really is, mate. I, I can't believe 15 years. That is frightening. Um, you know, I've still got a lot of the lads from Aldershot who I played England C with. Um, ben Arden still texts every now and then and Chalmers and, and whoever else we see. Um, but now I remember Gary Waddick was the gaffer then, wasn't he? Am I right there? Yeah, he was. He was. Yeah. You know, I, I, I really rate him. I think, you know, um, quicker he's back in the game. I don't know where he is at the moment. He's Cambridge assistant manager, yeah. <laughs> at Cambridge going well in League One didn't he so, yeah. fantastic because I just yeah he, he's he's one that do you know what he's never I've never played for him but he's one of the, the managers who we've got a mutual respect for always drops me a text in the summer all the best for the season Russ personalised you know what I mean and I just think that's great well Russ I mean I know I saw your interview a couple of days ago you were looking forward to playing Hereford you've had a bit of um, you've had a bit of a stop start at Christmas haven't you the game seemed to get called off late on again at Hereford didn't it for today and you didn't end up playing yeah, it's not stop start. It's just stop. So um, we haven't played. We haven't played one game, um, which is oh, been so frustrating because we've prepared every, um, training throughout the week for every game, and especially yesterday, um, we got a phone call at half past eight in the evening to say it'd been called off. So you can imagine how I was feeling. But um, I'm over it now, and uh, we'll look forward to um, to the next game, which is the FA Cup. So, um, yeah, a bit slightly dis- disappointing because we haven't played a league game since uh, the 14th of December. Um, we just want to keep the momentum going, really. Does that... You've got Reading coming up. Do, would you rather have had a, a, a game before that just to get some match minutes into the lads? Or do you think we'll be really fresh and we can maybe go 90 minutes with, against Reading? 
Uh, no, for, for sure we, we wanted games because we want we wanted points first and foremost. That's the bread and butter for us. Um, you know, when we've we've missed out on three games in, in in seven days, which I think we we could have picked some good points up. Not saying we were going to pick up points, but you know we were confident. We're on a good run of form. Um, but it, it has to be. Does it surprise everybody that games have been called off? No, up and down the country, there's been games called off left, right, centre. I just hope we kind of seen the back of it a little bit now. Mm. A lot more games on today um, and tomorrow and, and the week ahead. So let's let's fingers crossed we uh, we get a clear January. Question for you, Russ. I mean, one of the frustrating, th- most frustrating things where you've all the time got to be alert to when the next game might be and prepare for that. And and you, your work doesn't stop, does it? I mean, had you known you'd not have a game since December the fourteenth. You could have had your best Christmas ever, couldn't you, as a footballer or a football manager? <laughs> Do you know what? To be fair, the, the, the Boxing Day game, we knew two days before. So um, even though we were frustrated, you can kind of switch off then. Uh, last night hurt a little bit, um, you know, finding out off the state. I named the team, which, you know, you know how hard that is in terms of upsetting people. And you're kind of thinking, God, I wish I had it now. So, um, but listen, you've got to do what's what's right. And uh, unfortunately for us, we didn't get the game ahead. But we'll go again tomorrow at training and, and we'll look forward to a really good, enjoyable week. Yeah, and in terms of the uh, the North, the top two going into 2022, both face tough away ties. Brackler away at Kettering in a Northamptonshire derby and Gateshead face a tough trip up to Blythe, who have done well under the, the new manager there. Neither side could make a good start to the year. Brackley went three down 3-1 at Kettering and Gateshead, despite taking the lead through Paul Blackett, gave up that lead as a return of the X came to Hartnham. JJ O'Donnell got them level in the Evergreen. Robbie Dale put them ahead. And and what I want to ask you, Russ, is um, I know you like, you like to concentrate on yourself, but you must have sat back today and kind of been pretty happy to see that because nobody above you won, did they? Uh, it's probably softened the blow in how I was feeling last night, to be honest. Um, you know, you probably uh, put the results down on a, on a coupon. Uh, but it just shows you how tough the league is, to be honest. Um, the new manager's coming to Blythe. He's, he's picked up points. You know, Gloucester are starting to find form. Now, I looked at their team today and I thought, God, how are they even fourth, fifth from bottom? They'll start to climb the table. Kettering, um, always a tough place to go. I've, I've just watched um, Kevin Wilkins' interview and, you know, they deservedly lost today. Uh, top of the league going to Kettering, deservedly losing. Um, just shows you how strong this league is. And every game, honestly, is uh, is a really tough one and you can never um, count your chickens on, on, on getting those points. You've really got to be at it every game. Dickie, it's great to, to actually make it onto the call with you. I had some other journalistic duties to attend to, but yeah, got them out of the way. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, I mean Brackley losing is a, a surprise. Um, you know, they, they lost their unbeaten away record just before Christmas at Gateshead, but that probably wasn't a shock because Gateshead, a hundred percent at home. I think they've got seven wins out of seven. Um, but to, to go and lose at Kettering, you know, it, it is a surprising result. But you know, Paul, the credit to Paul Cox and his team. They, I know they've had an enforced break because of COVID absences again, but um, you know, they 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 have these little lulls and then they they keep coming back and that and that's a really really impressive result for them today. Um, Blythe Spartans beating Gateshead even more so. You know, I know Blythe had the boost of beating Spennymore three um, one earlier in the week, um, but with the way Gateshead uh, are going at the moment, you know, to to take all three points from them is a 
terrific result for Terry Mitchell and his side. And they were looking, they would have been looking anxiously over their shoulders and absolutely they're not out of out of the woods yet. But but two wins against local rivals particularly will fill them with a lot of optimism and a lot of heart. And and you know, you've got to say credit to the manager when he came in. There was lots of Terry who I think you know w- w- was not an unheard of sort of response um but he knows the northeast he's got good connections to you know I think he works in the academy at Newcastle uh, and has got obviously a, a, a huge amount of connections and 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 you know he's, he's got Blythe two wins out of three over the over the Christmas period and you can't knock that sure that Blythe game also notable as well today for um an unfortunate medical emergency in the crowd I've been reading a little bit about it um I'm told that a Gateshead fan Ross Clark actually ran onto the field to alert people to the fact that um somebody in the crowd appeared to be um having a cardiac arrest and I believe that JJ O'Donnell and Robbie Dale actually went to the person's aid or at the very least to to to, to find out about his condition so um full marks to everybody involved in in getting that gentleman i assume it was a gentleman taken to hospital i gather he's uh, that the person's in a stable condition now um yeah and, and having scored both of the goals and dale and o'donnell probably a pair of lifesavers for blythe today in more ways than one just in terms of looking ahead to the game against reading then again russ um Obviously, championship side, even though they may be struggling a little bit, it's, it's still a great test for you at home as well. And I suppose being at home, does it give you maybe you just think, well, it gives us that bit more of a chance, maybe? Yeah, let's uh, let's be realistic. We're playing a team in the championship at home. Um, I'm, I'm glad it's at home because we sold out. We sold out last week. So whatever the uh, result, the occasion will be fantastic. Um, they've sold out the away end, 1,500 they're bringing. So whatever it will be, it's going to be a fantastic action. And we want to give a good account of ourselves. Um, if you take the trophy defeat um, at Boston a couple of weeks ago, we're 13 unbeaten. So let's, you know, our plan is to stay in the game as long as we can and, and hopefully pose a threat because, you know, ready not going great in their league, albeit they're the championship side and they've got to be absolutely clear favourites. But, we're not just going to sit back and, and, and just let this game pass us by. We, we have to have a go, uh, especially at home. Yeah, another one of Scotty's old clubs. So, uh, <laughs> we obviously, only yeah, get revenge yeah, that way, yeah. eh? You know, I actually spoke to a Reading fan the other day and he's a season ticket holder and he said it's the worst he's ever watched at the moment. So, I was going to say it's a great occasion for you guys. I, I realised that you were playing and when you said the FA Cup, I saw it pop up on Twitter the other day that Reading had been allocated 1,500 and something tickets. But, no, it's a great game. And you know what it's like being the bigger side going to a smaller club. You've always got a chance away from away from home, like with the bigger side um, being at yours. So no fingers crossed and good luck. Thanks, mate. Ross, uh, thanks very much for joining us and giving up your time and coming and joining us. No, sorry. Sorry, boys, I couldn't carry on. But uh, family doing that, you know, <laughs> you know it goes. Yeah. Well, uh, I wish you all the best. Scotty, great to see you, mate. And you, mate. All the best at the weekend. Uh, Boston, they remain seventh despite a home defeat to Alfreton Town. Connor Branson and Bobby Johnson gave Alfreton the lead before Jordan Preston pulled the goal back. But Bailey Hobson restored the two-goal lead before a late Danny Elliott penalty reduced the deficit. And uh, funny old side, Boston, aren't they? Well, both of these sides are. I mean, they, they seem to take it in turns to trade possession of that that final playoff spot in seventh place. I think um, Boston is still in there, but Alfreton's win today obviously closes that gap and keeps them 
in contention. Um, Boston, a, a second home defeat in a row after losing 3-1 to Brackley on Tuesday. The, the Brackley defeat probably isn't quite so much of a surprise. They would have wanted full points from this today, clearly. Um, and they've actually put together a really good home record at the, at the Jakeman's Community Stadium since moving in there. They lost on opening day against Spennymore, but were unbeaten there until that Brackley result. Um, and then they've gone and followed it with another one. You've got to give credit to, to Billy Heath's side. I don't think, I certainly didn't, uh, wasn't talking up their chances of a, of a playoff chase this season, but but they're still in there. And that man, Hobson, again, uh, scoring the winner, what was ultimately the winner, he's keeping them in touch. Uh, and he's probably going to be something of a hot property. And, and with the January transfer window open, you know, is he still going to be at Alverton at the end of this month? Their fans will certainly hope so. Yeah, there's another interesting derby between Darlington and Spennymore. This game was played on the Saturday and it finished 1-1 apiece again. And there was yet another red card. Yeah, there was. Yeah, another draw between these two sides. They they fought out and, and almost literally fought out a 1-1 draw um, on, on Boxing Day. And, and the reverse fixtures has delivered exactly the same result again. I, I noted that Darlington... Before the fixture had, had brought Tyrone O'Neill, uh, O'Neill, O'Neill, um, Tyrone O'Neill back in on loan, um, uh, and there was some suggestion that they'd perhaps done so um, because they were expecting Luke Charman to depart in this in this January transfer window. I think Alan Armstrong has suggested that he's as good a player as he's worked with at this level. Uh, he's got thirteen goals, and I think Darlington fans do sound almost as if they're a little bit resigned to losing him. Yeah, both sides are in 13th and 14th, but only four or five points off the playoffs, respectively. Uh, also at the bottom, a massive win for Gloss. Ben Gering grabbed the winner for them over Leamington as they propel themselves up to 17th. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that's the kind of um, Gloucester have been looking to recruit some leadership. I think that was something that was noted as being being absent when when Paul Groves was was dismissed from his role very early in the season. Ben Gering certainly one of those players who's brought them some of that. Um, uh, and, you know, that's a really good result from them today. It, Lemmington, I know, going through a little bit of a sticky patch at the moment. Paul Holleran um, spoke the other day about uh, some dreadful injury problems they've got, particularly in the midfield area. They've brought back James Mace to the club on a, on a dual registration. Uh, and, and I think he set an appearance record or uh, having returned to the club. Um, they've also had to, they brought somebody on loan, I think in the last 24, 48 hours as well, but they're, they're, they're scratching around for bodies a little bit, Lamington. So um, maybe that Gloucester win, not as much of a surprise in those circumstances, but, you know, a, a, a very welcome three points for Lee Mansell's side there. Yeah. And Dickie Telford remain bottom, but they're only three points from safety now. They got another good point on the road this time at Chester. They did, yeah. The gap could have been a little bit closer for them. Um, they trailed in the first half to a goal from Paddy Lacey, who is he's also a professional boxer. He recorded his third professional victory in, in three bouts just a couple of weeks before Christmas, which presumably that was what ruled him out of of taking part in in the game between these two sides, which finished 3-1 to Chester on Boxing Day. Um, I think Chester must have been fancying their chances of making it six points from six against Telford over the period, but their hopes weren't helped when Simon Grand was dismissed for a second yellow card 
early in the second half. Brendan Daniels equalised directly from the free kick that was awarded um, for, for Grand Hauling down Jason Oswell. And perhaps you might have thought Telford would be the side that would go on and, and claim all the points there. But I think there was still some evidence that that, that confidence is lacking a little bit. They didn't move the ball around as well against 10 men as you would hope to do so. Um, and credit to Chester, they up their level um, a bit and, uh, and actually probably had more of the uh, scoring opportunities from open play in, in what remained of the game. Telford did have an opportunity handed to them and um, almost literally in, in injury time when a Jason Oswell header was handled on its way towards the goal. Um, referee awarded a penalty. Assistant manager Carl Baker had been on the field probably only about a matter of 10 minutes or so. He took the responsibility, stepped up, put his free, uh, put the penalty against the crossbar and Telford's chance of the extra two points disappeared there and then. Yeah, couldn't provide the knockout blow, could they, Dickie? No, they couldn't. No, I, I, I have to say Paul Carden did actually use the phrase and say that Telford didn't lay a glove on Chester in the first half. And with Lacey's intervention, yeah, the, the, the boxing metaphors were, were flying thick and fast <laughs> today. Um, yeah, disappointing uh, for, for Telford not to claim all three points. I think Chester probably ultimately might be the more satisfied side, having still got a point against 10 men. Um but yeah, ultimately on is even between those two today. Could you notice a difference at Chester now with Steve Watson there? Is there a difference in, in the atmosphere and style of play? Um, I don't know about the style of play necessarily straight away. He's, he's certainly not um, made any immediate um, changes to the playing staff that he's got there. He, he's, he's having a look at you know the, the playing staff that he's got and, and using them. Um, and obviously they got the, they got a two two draw with filed, which I think they were denied late on. So that was almost um, a, a second win on the bounce after that Boxing Day victory in Watson's first game. Um, they would have been on course for three points today, um, but but for Grand sending off, you sense. So I think there is something of a feel good factor that, it, that that's come along with with a new manager, um, and yeah, they seem to be you know looking in the right direction they're looking up the table rather than looking over their shoulder um uh, but yeah it'll be interesting to see how whether he can cure their inconsistency because Chester's biggest problem this season has been their inconsistency so in the south Oxford City had gone into the new year at the top of the table and and Scotty they visited your slough side in an early kickoff and is an entertaining 2-2 draw in the end yeah so we played them on Boxing Day um Probably undeservedly lost 3-2 on that occasion. Um, we were disappointed not to come away with a win. Uh, their keeper was outstanding. We had a little bit of frustration. Went 1-0 down at half-time, uh, a set-piece. It was a sort of 0-0 game up until that point where you think uh, we've let in a cheap goal, we should have come in drawing. We've got a bit of a, uh, a weapon, which is a long throw. Uh, we managed to score two goals from a long throw, which is um, incredible for us to be able to use, to be fair. The trajectory on the throw, it's, uh, it's really hard to defend. Uh, we got onto the second ball on two occasions, went 2-1 up and then conceded a goal with maybe 10 minutes to go. A little bit disappointed, but if someone said to us this morning, we'd take a point at home to Oxford City, you're absolutely flying. Um, and then again at half-time being 1-0 down, uh, we would have taken it. But it's like you say, you're just disappointed that you can't see the game out. Um, but they're a, they're a fantastic side, to be fair. They're, 
ones that probably weren't expected to be up there. Um, they're managed by David Oldfield, who comes across really, really well. Um, I was very fortunate to play in a memorial game a few weeks ago where he was the man, uh, manager. Um, and I just got chatting to him, got speaking to him, and he seems like someone that will go on and manage at a higher level, whether that's with Oxford City or someone else, I'm not too sure. Um, but yeah, like I was saying earlier, a point is massive at this stage of the season. Um, the four teams above us lost, so it's it's made us creep up a couple of places. Um, so hopefully we can kickstart our season now and, and sort of have a good second half of the season and just stay alive. I think that's where we need to be um, just to make sure that our season doesn't fizzle out and we're not playing games towards the end of it with nothing to play for. Do you think Oxford City can stay the course then? I think that they've got the um, ability to do it in terms of the players that they've got. They've got a couple of players that, for me, I've always said are the best players that in non-league that have never played pro. Um, Zach McEachran is one who's the brother of Josh McEachran, who's an outstanding player. Uh, he's got so much ability. Uh, they've got a lad called Reese Fleet, who's their captain in midfield, who I was fortunate enough to play with when I dropped out of the pro game a few years ago. Um, really, really shocked now that no one's ever sort of picked up upon um, his efforts that he's put into non-league because he's an excellent player, but he's probably closer to 30 now. Um, so I think they have got the ability to stay there, but I think Ebsley, your mates, Stones are coming strong um, and they're going to be hard to sort of keep the door shut as such because they're full-time. Uh, they're going to be fit and flying going into the back end of the season. Yeah, as, as you mentioned there, it's tight at the top. Oxford have now dropped to third at a big game in the South, saw Ebsley edge out Dartford in a North Kent derby. Ben Chapman with the winner, two minutes from time. And Scotty, Ebsley, are many people's tips for the title, especially if they've got games in hand as well? Yeah, they were probably the best team we've played this season. Um, we went 1-0 up. They moved the ball so well. Probably, um, I call it suicide football, where they risk it so much at the back um, that you can sort of pounce upon them and, and win it back high up the pitch. However, they've got the players that can hurt you if you do sort of go pressing by yourself or in ones and twos, they pass around you. Players like Lee Martin um, was exceptional that day. He was a cut above the rest yet again. So I do think that they'll go on strong. Um, obviously, beating Dartford today was huge for them. I think it took them above them in the league mm. um, to the top of the table. Um, if not second, I'm not sure. But Dartford started off the season. I think they won seven in a row. I thought they were going to sort of romp it at one stage. Um, but I don't really know what's happened with them, to be honest. Steve King was working mm. his magic. Um, but it's going to be a tight, tight league for sure. Um, and anyone at this stage, probably down to 15th, is probably looking, thinking that they can get into the playoffs. And I was going to ask you about that. What do you make of their recent run? Because I know, I think Dickie mentioned it. it was after they lost in the FA Cup to, I think it was someone like Cray Wanderers they lost to. And, and since then, they've not been right at all. Yeah, I'm not too sure what's going on. I don't think it's an unhappy camp. I think Steve King has still got the players that he's got. But wherever they've been found out in the way that they played football, uh, we lost 3-0 to on the second game of the season and, and they were brilliant that day. We hardly touched the ball ourselves. And I thought to myself, do you know what? They're going to go on and do some special things this season. I think they can still find that form. I think they're only two or three points off the top of the league. Um, and maybe they've had their blip at the right time because you know what it's like. Everyone has their blip at some stage in the season um, and comes strong again. So maybe it's their time to kick on sort of January, February. And it wouldn't be a surprise to me to see them up there um, at the top end of the table yet again. Yeah, Ebsley are actually second. It's a Kent 1-2. Maidstone are now top. They're on a great run. They've got nine points out of nine over the Christmas period. They comfortably beat Tunbridge Angel, thanks 2-0 to 
Dominic Odesanya and Wang, Wang Luke. Doug Loft saw red for the Angels seven minutes from the end. And Mason have really underwhelmed the last couple of seasons, haven't they? But they look like they're clicking after a slow start. Yeah, we, we went to their place and we won one nil, a typical slough, um, gritty performance. Um, it wasn't a magical, it wasn't a spectacle, but we're good at what we do. Uh, we make it hard for teams. We run harder, we run faster, we run longer than any other side in this league. I'm pretty sure of it. Because we've not got any, we've got not got any world beaters in this league. Um, every other team has usually got one or two um, standout performers, but we're always a team effort. There's no one that runs away with the show, steals the show every week. Um, so we did upset them that day. I think it's a lot of people's cup final. Beautiful stadium, uh, good crowd, the pitch is good. Um, so yeah, we did go and uh, yeah, spoil the spoil the occasion for them. But it's like you say, they were they were a good side. They probably didn't deserve to lose that day. Um, but it's like you say, people do raise their efforts when you go to these nice grounds. Do you think as well, having Hakan Aretan in sole charge now is, is better for them because there always seemed to be that John still shadow over them, didn't there? Yeah, there was a bit of discontent. I think after the game, I saw a lot of things on Twitter, on their um, club feed that they wanted him gone. Um, that's football for you. We were talking about Alan Dowse earlier where people want him gone after one result. Um, after the time that we beat them, everyone was calling for his head. Uh, and now I can imagine he's got the freedom of Maidstone um, sitting at the top of the league. And that's how football can change. A lot of the time, is, I believe it's not down to the managers. Um, I think the players take responsibility. Um, obviously, the manager puts them across that white line and tells them their jobs. But a lot of the time, I feel sorry for the managers. I'm always one of those players that believes that it's down to the players to actually do the job, um, carry out the game plan. And... I've always said in my time in football that I think players' contracts um, should be sort of negotiable if results aren't going well. Um, you see managers get sacked, but you very rarely see a player get sacked um, for not doing their job. So I'm a firm believer in that. A lot of people wouldn't agree with me, but I think there's, there should be something in contracts to say that, listen, you're not living up to expectations and standards. Uh, you're the one to leave rather than me. That's a really, really good point, mm. Scotty. I remember when all the shot were relegated sadly back down from the Football League in 2012 after five years at that level. And collectively, they just weren't good enough. They deserved to get relegated. But I, I was just flabbergasted as player after player after player from, from, from that team, from that squad, got themselves another Football League club. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't wish bad on them, but, um, you know, there were three or four players that, Really, you could tell a bit like yourself. They loved the club through and through. They were really, really hurting that all the shot went down. Um, but probably a good portion of the team were like, OK, well, where's my next move then? All the shot have gone down to another league as if it wasn't even their team. Yeah, I do find it crazy that the managers are ones that get the sack. I think players should be able to get the sack too, but it's difficult to sack a player when you might need to get rid of four or five of them. Um, at one moment in time, it's easier to get rid of one man and try and work with the players that maybe aren't working for the manager or aren't playing for the shirt, um, different bits and pieces. But I just think it's absolutely ludicrous that you give players these length of contracts um, and let them sort of have a cigar on as such. Um, a lot of them go through the motions. They know that they're there for two or three years on a lot of money. Um, and now I've probably had my career. It's easy for me to say that that should be the case. This should be the case. Um, but yeah, it's like you say, I don't think you see enough of it. A lot of people get the manager the sack and don't ever face the consequence, uh, consequences. Yeah, you're absolutely right saying that, Scotty, to be fair. I mean, you've always given your 100% to whatever team you've played for. But I think if players could be sacked very easily when they um, 
when 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 they don't do what they should do, then uh, yeah, back in your day, you might have got sacked a couple of times, man. <laughs> yeah, maybe once, mate. Maybe once. Yeah, spotted eating a burger on the way to the ground. Okay. Oh no, you wouldn't be able to get away with that these days, would you? Somebody would film it and stick it on Twitter. I actually got fined at Reading once for eating a burger at Burton away, and I got the photo taken of me by the um, photographer. And Reading said, do you think this looks good for our uh, player to be eating a burger at Burton away? And I was like, probably not. And they fined me £500. So I learned the hard way, mate. Did you did you then chuckle to yourself that with that famous um, Sutton game? Was it the Arsenal-Sutton game or Leeds-Sutton oh, game? Yeah. And, and the the, goal, the goalkeeping the, coach. Yeah. The goalkeeping gate, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 I, li- I lived and learned, mate. So, yeah, it's just one of those things. I tell you what, if uh, I bet some having fans want some of their players sacked, especially after Boxing Day when Darkin beat having eight nil and having went down to ten men early on in that game. Now you think they'd have learned the lessons, wouldn't you? However, twenty six minutes into the game today on Monday, Billy Clifford picked up two yellow cards and that was it. He was off, and Mark Whiteside went into a two nil lead at the break thanks to Nick Wheeler and Jason Pryor. And if you're Paul Doswell, you're thinking not again, but they did rally. Tommy Wright got a goal back before. Now McManus added a third and Dorkin and now in fourth, just four points off the lead, Scott. Yeah, Billy Clifford is a friend of mine. Um, excellent player. And it's like you say, he has got like a not a temperament issue, but he's got the feistiness about him to go and put in a tackle. And I think you always have to be careful on a yellow card. I did see that they're descending off when I was stood in the clubhouse at Slough after our game. And I just thought, God help does well because he's actually a really nice guy. I've spoken to him on a few occasions um, and I didn't want them to get uh, obviously beaten like they did 8-0 on, on Boxing Day. I don't think you ever really want to see a team lose like that. Um, but Dorkin, in terms of what they're doing at the moment, they're absolutely flying. I think Mark White's got them playing um, football the right way, if you want to say that in inverted commas. Um, they play a system which is really, really difficult. Um, all of them are good footballers. Uh, they're obviously spending a few quid down there at the moment, but they seem to be reaping the rewards and they'll be one of the teams that goes close. Um, they've got a manager that's obviously done this documentary now, which I'm sure you guys have seen and I've watched a few uh, episodes and I quite like him. I think he's Marmite to a lot of people. I quite like his um, his traits, his characteristics. He's um, so isn't he, Scotty? Yeah, but that's what I think you need. I think a lot of managers are scared to be honest with their players um, and I think sometimes getting the home truths is is what people need. Um, I say it from an age now at 33 where I've had different types of managers um, that have spoken to me in different ways. I might have a manager that puts their arm around me. I might have another manager that gives me a rollicking. Um, but it's like you say, you're getting paid to do a job. If you were sitting in an office Monday to Friday and you weren't pulling your weight, you weren't doing your job, you'd get told about it. And football's no different. Some of these players are earning more money from playing for Dorking Wanderers than they probably are working Monday to Friday, nine to five. So, um, no, I think they'll do special things. They're a good side down there and got a manager that, that's definitely got the enthusiasm to be successful. Just looking at Haven't, Scotty, as well, some Haven't fans are they're bemoaning the discipline at the minute. I mean, the manager's in the middle of a six-game ban. They've had two sendings off in the last three games. Uh, despite in different form, they are only out of the playoffs on goal difference. But a lot of the, a lot of the uh, fans are now saying, what well, the manager is uh, in discipline and got a six-game ban, what do you expect from the players? Yeah, we've played them twice this year and they've had two sending-offs in those games as well. So um, there was one in the second half at Haven't, which made the game more comfortable for us, uh, where we beat them 2-1. And then they had another sending-off in the home game in the trophy um, after probably 10, 15 minutes. So yet again, it made it quite comfortable for us. We went 1-0 up with a penalty. 
um, and managed to see the game out. So I, I don't think though that day that the red cards were sort of justified. The one at their place, uh, the lad just left the boot in on our keeper when the ball was running through. Um, and back at our ground, it was a player that just got the wrong side. He brought a lad down on the edge of the box. So it's not, it's probably not a, a lack of discipline. It's just moments in the game where um, you have to react upon what's going on um, and had to kind of make the foul, I guess. Um, but it's like you say, I don't think that they're going to slip any further down the league. They must get better from this. It'll probably be knee-jerk reaction. They'll probably get um, some sort of reaction from it. And I think it'll only be a positive one. Doswell obviously knows how to manage in the league. And the players they've got down there are incredible. Their firepower up front, for example. Mm. Um, they've got probably four strikers that would walk into any team in the league. Um, and you try and start all four of them every week if you could, because they're that good. Scotty, we haven't touched on it too much, but I watched you briefly in pre-season. I had a chat with Bakes afterwards. And he said, yeah, you, you're brilliant around the squad. You won't necessarily play all the games, but he loved you in the dressing room, loves what you bring when you are on the pitch. But uh, we talked off air before we started recording. I think is that you've now played something like 14 consecutive 90 minutes. Yeah, um, so I'm oh, sorry. Just a different side to you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those. I went back there in the summer with a view to sort of being in around the place, maybe being a bit of a squad player. Um, and we had a bad start. I had my wedding and I had COVID as well, which was stop start for me, which I don't have a problem with. Obviously, getting married was important, and COVID, I just couldn't couldn't do anything about it. Um, and then we found a new formation, which has suited me really well from a selfish point of view, uh, where I sit in front of the back four. Um, I don't go across our halfway line anymore. So I just sort of stand there and watch once the young lads have got the legs to get forward and cause problems. So I've managed to find a place in the team, which has suited me really well. Um, Bakes and unders have been really positive about how things have gone and how I've been playing. And I've probably played my best football this season um, over those last sort of three months um, from what I have done in the previous five, six years. Um, I did a lot during the summer to keep fit. I was playing down at step five football. Um, with my friends when everyone else was sort of uh, chilling at home. Um, I just felt it was important to go back flying. and It was the fittest I've ever been. So um, I've worked hard enough, I guess, to sort of get my place in the team. But I'm under no illusions that that can change pretty quickly if I did lose my lack of form or something like that. Um, but yeah, no, right now I'm enjoying football more than I have done in a long, long time. So yeah, long may it continue. And a quick supplementary question. Given that you're not likely to get the ball on halfway and, you know, uh, mosey past three or four and stick it in the top bins anymore, um, given that you don't get much out of beyond the centre circle, has there been a moment yet where the ball's just dipped on and around the halfway line where you've thought about striking it? Because I know how you feel. It happened today, mate, and I was furious. So it fell to me beautifully and I saw the keeper off the line. I've tried to do it and it was raining, so I didn't catch it too well. Um, I kind of skewed it a little bit. But I was so frustrated, but I guess that shows how much I believe in my technical ability because I've missed from my own half and I was disappointed. Um, but I know <laughs> that, yeah, I know it sounds crazy, doesn't it? But I know that if I connect with it correctly, or it'll give me half a chance. Um, I always look, I always look, to be honest, every game I check where the keepers are from free kicks that are in our own half because a lot of them are on the edge of their box. Um, and if you do catch it correctly, properly, then you've, you've got a chance. So, yeah, I'll keep trying that. So hopefully later on in the season, you might be able to see one on uh, on Twitter. He's, going, he's wanted to go viral, isn't he? He's wanted to go viral. <laughs> again? Not again. <laughs> <laughs> quickly uh, quickly then, Scott. The team's in sixth and seventh loss. Dulwich lost 1-0 at Champion Hill to Pete Taylor's Welling. Chippenham had a mad five minutes in the first half stoppage time. 
they lost at Bath. There was an own goal and Alex Fletcher there condemned him to that defeat. Uh, that's two defeats now for Chippenham against Bath over Christmas. Sandwich between their away win at Hungerford and down at the bottom. Uh, second goalless draw saw Billericay pick another point up in their bid to stay up away at Concord. Braintree against Chelmsford was postponed. So just two points separate Braintree and Billericay with a further two up to Chelmsford. And Scotty, quickly then, are you looking at one from two or one from three, maybe? I think for me right now, those clubs shouldn't be down the bottom. They're big clubs in our league. Um, your Hungerfords and your Chippenhams are flying at the moment. They're doing really, really well. Um, we've got Chippenham away on Saturday, which we know won't be easy. Um, but our, our league is so even. That's the difference. I think you couldn't guess who's going to be down the bottom or up the top. Um, anyone can beat anyone, which we've seen because the points tallies are so tight. Um, personally, I think Billericay, um have been there for a long time and it's hard to get that sort of um, that tag of being bottom of the table away from yourselves um, when you're stuck or rooted to the bottom for a period of time. But they're a good side and they've just shined uh, Josh White as well with the experience. So I think they'll only get better. Brill, well, thanks for thanks for joining us, Scotty. No, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. So the other early kickoff saw Hemel Hempstead pick up a fine 3-1 away win at St. Albans. Goals from Cole Kapakwa, Charlie Hughes and Alfie Williams saw Hemel pick up all three points. Sean, Geff- Sean Jeff has got his 17th goal of the season and St. Albans has stalled a little bit since that cup run. With Sean Jeff has been really prolific this season. He is 29. Do you think someone will roll the dice higher up and maybe give him a shot? Who knows? Goal scorers are are, are um, so so important in football, aren't they? And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a decent tally. And somebody a league higher may look at him again. Obviously, he has been higher, but equally, he's probably enjoying his football right now. And um, yeah, not the result they wanted today, St Albans, but uh, they're in the thick of it, uh, and they'll be uh, you know they'll be in that involved in that race till I'm sure. Rob, thanks for joining us. Pleasure as always. Great guest. Great to get Scotty and Russ on. Uh, I'm not sure which one of them's clocked up the most appearances with us now. Um, but Scotty's always good value, isn't he? You've got all the clubs he's played for, all the clubs he has spoken to and might have played for. And then he's visited all the clubs as well, hasn't he? In his, in his brilliant role he does about gambling and addiction. Um, really generous of him to uh, give us the time again. Brill, uh, Dickie, thanks for joining us. You're very welcome. Don't forget to subscribe to us as well. Uh, you, you'll get the episode uploaded to your device every time we do one. And of course, listen back because you'll hear Adam Summerton review the season so far and the Boxing Day fixture as well. So it's a pleasure to have him on. Give us a follow on Twitter at NL Full Time. It's the same on Instagram as well. Have a great week and we'll speak to you very soon. 